Last week we started a, a new series looking at the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippian church. It's a church that Paul loves, a church that he longs for, a church that he wants to go and see. But he can't. And he can't because he is in prison in Rome. And the Philippian believers, they, many of them were led to Christ by Paul. They love him and they support him both with prayer and with finances. And so naturally they are dismayed by his imprisonment. But Paul writes to them in pursuit of both his joy and the joy of the believers in Philippi. Joy is the recurring theme of the letter. And what we learn from Paul in the whole letter is that because joy comes from our Savior and not our circumstances, we can find and cultivate joy even in difficult times. Because joy comes from our Savior and not our circumstances, we can find and cultivate joy even in difficult times. In the first 11 verses that we studied last week, Paul points the Philippians to Christ and what is true of them in Him, giving them reasons to rejoice. And because we are separated from one another, we can connect to this letter in a special way. Though we long to be together, we can find joy in our continued partnership in the gospel, our continued perseverance toward the goal, our continued partaking of God's grace, and our continued prayers for one another, for God's people. Because our joy comes from our Savior, Jesus, and not from our circumstances, we can find and cultivate joy even in times of longing. You know, longing was not the only feature of Paul's imprisonment. He was also suffering. As Paul was on what we know now as his third missionary journey, during which he visited and encouraged many of the churches that he had planted, including Philippi, he expected that upon his return to Jerusalem, he would be arrested. He gives a farewell message to the elders at the Ephesian church, and he says to them, in Acts 20, verses 22 through 25. Now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of as any value, nor as precious to myself, if I only may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. When some believers in Caesarea weep and urge Paul not to continue on to Jerusalem because he will be arrested by Jews and handed over to the Romans, Paul says in Acts 21 verse 13, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul expected to suffer, and he did. He was arrested in the temple. He was held in Caesarea for over two years, and then upon appeal to Caesar, he was transferred to Rome. Throughout this time, he endured unjust accusations and imprisonment, beatings, Unfulfilled hopes of release, woeful conditions in prison, discouragement and opposition even from fellow believers. Even as he likely wrote uh, the letter to the Philippian church from house arrest in Rome, 
He dealt with the loss of his freedom, an ability to fulfill his calling in person, and the expectation as well that his life would soon end. Paul was suffering, and the Philippian church was grieved and concerned about him. In this passage today, Paul reminds the Philippians that God is not surprised by his suffering. Rather, it is part of God's plan for Paul's good and for God's glory in Rome and among the nations. This is not an easy concept for us to embrace. No one in their right mind wants to suffer. And yet Paul shows the Philippians and us that because joy comes from our Savior and not our circumstances, we can find and cultivate joy even in suffering. If Christ is trustworthy and He rules over all our circumstances, then we can rejoice even when we are called to suffer. Our only hope in life and in death is that we belong to our faithful Savior so that nothing can happen to us apart from His will and all things must work together for our salvation. And Christ Himself is our greatest example of joy in suffering. Hebrews 12 tells us it was for the joy that was set before Him that He endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's look together to God's Word. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through the very first part of verse 18. Philippians 1, 12 through 18a. This is the Word of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Let's ask the Lord for His help to understand and apply His Word. Our Lord and our God, You have spoken to Your people. You have done so by inspiring this written Word. You have done so most beautifully and powerfully, fully and finally, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, use Your written Word now to reveal Him to us as our only hope for joy and suffering. Lord, I know that many in our congregation are suffering in various ways. That all of us are suffering in some pretty similar ways during this COVID-19 pandemic. And so Lord, I ask that You would minister to us in our suffering, that You would show us its purpose, that You would use it to advance the gospel. And as we now look to Your Word, Lord, help us to, to listen to it, to be attentive to it, to believe it, to apply it, and to love it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Johnny Erickson was an athlete when she was in her teens. In fact, she, she was a tennis star and also a medal winner in swimming for her high school. She was voted best athlete her senior year. The summer after graduation, she was attempting a dive off of a raft in the Chesapeake Bay and she felt her head hit hard on the sandy bottom and she felt a crunch and her arms and legs went limp. And thankfully there were others there who pulled her to safety. But that was in 1967 and she's been a quadriplegic ever since. She was, she thought, a Christian at the time. But at first she thought that what that would mean would be that God would rescue her from the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual suffering caused by her disability. So she read the Bible and she prayed and she went to healing services and she was still paralyzed and she was still depressed. She was still suffering. She cried out to God one night in in utter despair. Show me how to live. And as her, help, as her sister helped her study the Scriptures, she came to see that Jesus came to heal her of something much more significant than her paralysis. He came to rescue her from her sin. To reconcile her to God. To give her hope of eternal life with Him and the hope of a resurrection body not only free from suffering, but more importantly, free from sin. And He did so all at infinite cost to Himself through His life and His death and His resurrection. This Gospel, this good news changed everything for Johnny. She began to find joy in the midst of suffering. Even in the last several years as she has developed chronic pain, which is very unusual for a quadriplegic, and as she has dealt with uh, diagnoses of cancer twice, She writes this, The process is difficult, but affliction isn't a killjoy. I don't think you could find a happier follower of Jesus than me. The more my suffering helps me get disentangled from sin, the more joy bubbles up from within. I can't tell you how many nights I have lain in bed unable to move, stiff with pain, and have whispered near tears, Oh, Jesus, I am so happy, so very happy in You. God shares His joy on His terms only. And those terms call us to suffer in some measure like His Son. I'll gladly take it. Johnny looks to Christ and finds joy even in suffering. And we see the Apostle Paul do the same thing in this passage. The first thing that we see here is that Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his evangelism. Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his evangelism. Paul knows that the Philippians are grieved that he is in prison. He doesn't downplay that or try to pretend like it's not a difficult and sad reality. But he does point them to joy in Christ as he tells them how God is using his chains. Paul says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 
Paul rejoices in this because his very reason for existence, the reason for his mission, the reason that he was called to be an apostle was for the advance of the gospel. In human terms, we see imprisonment as naturally limiting. And surely Paul and the churches that supported him, including the church at Philippi, feared that his imprisonment would hinder the gospel. And we see suffering in that light as well. We think that our suffering, whether physical or emotional or mental or spiritual or material, is a limitation on fulfilling our purpose, a hindrance to our ability to do any number of things, including our mission, our personal mission and our corporate mission as a church of connecting people with the hope of the gospel. Well, there was another time that Paul was suffering. And it wasn't imprisonment, but the scriptures don't exactly tell us what it was. Many scholars think that it was some kind of physical suffering because Paul refers to it as a a thorn in his flesh. He saw his suffering as a result of this thorn, as limiting to his work for the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes that he pleaded with the Lord three times to take away his thorn. But the Lord said this to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God had a plan for Paul's thorn And God had a plan for Paul's imprisonment. He would use them to display his power and to advance his gospel. And this brought Paul great joy even in suffering because Paul's treasure wasn't his physical health. Paul's treasure wasn't his freedom to do what he wanted and felt he needed to do. Paul's treasure was Christ. God has a plan for your suffering too. And I don't necessarily know what it is that you are going through right now. I do know that I am sorry, whatever it is, that you are going through it. And I also know that there is an opportunity for the Gospel, for faithfulness and fruitfulness and joy in your suffering because God means to display His power and advance His Gospel through your suffering. Paul writes that the whole imperial guard and all the rest, that is everyone in the vicinity of where he was being held, knows why he is there and therefore knows the story of Jesus, knows the good news of his life and death and resurrection, the gospel of salvation. God has positioned Paul in his suffering in the capital city of the empire with access to people who need to hear the good news. And Paul takes advantage of it. Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his evangelism. Knowing that God has a plan for your suffering, as Paul puts it, that your suffering is for Christ. How might you be positioned to share Christ with others as a result of your suffering? The shutdown world that we're living in right now is a great example. To a certain extent, we're all going through similar things and we can relate and apply the gospel to others in a pretty unique way. We can check in with our unbelieving friends and family members and co-workers and share with them our struggles in the midst of this thing and also the hope 
and the joy that comes to us in Christ. If you suffer physically, it might regularly bring you into contact with healthcare professionals and others who suffer as you do who need Christ. I know of at least one couple here at Bat Creek who have loved their in-home healthcare workers so well, made them part of their family, and even brought them time and again to worship with us at Bat Creek. If you suffer mentally and emotionally, if you deal with past or present trauma, you are uniquely positioned to love and to minister to others who are enduring that same thing and to see God's power on display in your perceived weakness. Now your suffering is not good in itself. We know that because one of the things that Christ purchased for us in His life, death, and resurrection is that one day we will live in eternity without suffering. And yet, like Paul, we can find joy in Christ as our suffering serves our evangelism, as our suffering serves our ability to connect people with the hope of the gospel. The second thing that we see in this passage is that Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his example. Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his example. As Paul's brothers and sisters in Christ see the way that Paul continues to have the joy of the Lord even in prison, as they see how God is using Paul's chains to advance the gospel among the imperial guard, as they witness Paul suffering well for the sake of Christ, what happens? They don't shrink away in fear that what happened to Paul might happen to them. They don't circle the wagons and, and stick to their holy huddle. They don't whine and complain about how they're being persecuted for their faith. In fact, it has the complete opposite effect. The Christians in Rome have grown in their confidence in the Lord because of Paul's example, and they are growing in their boldness to speak the Word of God without fear. One of the pastors in my former church in Georgia is really suffering right now, and I'd appreciate your prayers for him. His name is Randy Jackson. And within the last week, both his mother and his father died of COVID-19. He was not able to be with them while they were ill. He was not able to be with them when they passed into the presence of the Lord. He was not able to go for their burial. He's not able to grieve with his extended family and, and through a funeral. And yet, as Randy suffers this grief, he is looking for and finding joy in Christ. And this is what he posted. I feel safe and even compelled by the Spirit, to ask for your prayers that God would keep me securely abiding in Him. I know that He is all-powerful because Ephesians 1.11 promises me that in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. I know that He is good because James 1.17 promises me that every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I know that He is good to me, even though I am a sinner, because Romans 8 promises me that God shows His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. I know God is all-powerful, that He is good, and that He is good to me, a sinner, because the Bible promises me so, regardless of what I see, experience, or feel right now. By His Word, I am securely abiding in Him. I can't imagine what my brother is going through right now. And some of you may be better able to relate to that kind of loss. But I am challenged and emboldened by Randy's example, as I am by many of yours. As your pastor, I have uh, the holy privilege and the humbling privilege of being invited into your suffering. And I've witnessed so many of you bearing your trials and your sorrows with godly resolve and godly strength and godly joy in the Lord through tears. You have challenged and encouraged and compelled me, and I am grateful. Even in these last several weeks, I have seen your example of bearing uncertainty and grief and loneliness and loss with joy in the Lord. And who knows how many others have witnessed your example and how many others will. And please remember, your example is not about you having it all together. So please know that if you have moments of weakness, if you are really struggling in the midst of your suffering, that His grace is sufficient for you and His power is magnified when you are weak. And allow the truth of God's perfect strength in your weakness to fill you with His joy, knowing that your example and your weakness are emboldening and challenging and encouraging others. Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his evangelism. It serves his example. And lastly, we see that Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves Christ's ends. Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves Christ's ends. One of the ways that Paul suffered throughout his ministry was opposition. At first, people rejected him because he had been a persecutor of Christians. Then his status and authority as an apostle were challenged. Then false teachers opposed him. It seems that even in prison, there were some Christians or those who claimed to be who were envious of him, who saw Paul as a rival. They wanted to inflict him afflict him in his imprisonment and even tried to use his use preaching as a way to do so these were not true preachers of the gospel as they preached from pretense but the gospel they proclaimed was actually the true gospel of Christ even though paul is personally hurt by this opposition to him he finds joy in the preaching and advance of the gospel He rejoices that though he is suffering as a result of this opposition, Christ's ends, Christ's purposes are being served, even unknowingly, by those who seek to do harm. Chinese pastor Wang Yi of Early Rain Covenant Church in China was arrested, and in December, he was sentenced to nine years in prison. And referring to his suffering, he says this, This is the means by which... I preach the gospel. Pastor Wang Yi 
knows what Paul knew and what Paul wanted the church at Philippi and wants us to know. And that is that those who are against us, those who oppose us, the suffering that we endure, all the circumstances of our lives, as a matter of fact, only serve Christ's ends. Brothers and sisters, it is not trite. It is true that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. The good news from this passage for those of us who are suffering is that Paul finds joy in Christ as his suffering serves his evangelism, serves his example, and always serves Christ's ends. Johnny Erickson, who is now Johnny Erickson Tata, recently wrote a reflection of 50 years of ministry. She founded an organization called Johnny and Friends that has had an incredible impact. And here is some of what she wrote. Now every day, when I wheel into the Johnny and Friends International Disability Center, I try to squeeze every ounce of ministry effort from my quadriplegic body. This summer, Johnny and Friends will hold 27 family retreats in the United States and 23 in less resourced nations, reaching thousands of special needs families for Christ. Christian physical therapists will serve on our Wheels for the World teams in more than 40 countries delivering Bibles, giving the salvation message, and hand-fitting wheelchairs to needy people with disabilities. Hundreds of our Cause for Life interns will work in orphanages overseas, showing that spina bifida isn't a voodoo curse, and people aren't better off dead than disabled. Because Jesus is ecstasy beyond compare, It's worth anything to be his friend. Last week, my husband Ken and I were at our Johnny and Friends family retreat in Alabama. We were lunching in the big, noisy dining hall when a college-age volunteer approached me holding a kid with Down syndrome on her hip. She gestured at the crowd and said, Miss Johnny, do you ever think how none of this would be happening were it not for your diving accident? I flashed a smile and said, It's why I thank God every day for my wheelchair. After she left, I stared for a moment at the dining hall scene. I suddenly had a 35,000 foot view of the moment. She's right. How did I get here? It has everything to do with God and His grace. Not just grace over the long haul, but grace in the tiny moments. Grace like breathing in and out, like stepping stones leading you from one experience to the next. The beauty of such grace is that it eclipses the suffering until one July morning you look back and see five decades of God working in a mighty way. Grace softens the edges of past pains, helping to highlight the eternal. What you are left with is a peace that's profound. Joy that's unshakable. Faith that's ironclad. It's the hard but beautiful stuff of which God makes 50 years of your life. Like, when did that happen? I cannot say. But I sure love Jesus for it. May we all be able to say, at the end of our sufferings, that we sure love Jesus for it and find joy in the meantime. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. (sighs) 
Lord, we thank You that though we do not like it, though we do not understand it, though we know that it will not be forever, that it is not good in the moment that You call us to suffering and that You use our suffering for our good and for Your glory, even that You use it for the advance of the Gospel. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are suffering now, Lord, that You would magnify Your strength in their weakness, that their example to others would embolden them to find joy in Christ and confidence in their own proclamation of the Gospel. Lord, that we would be courageous in connecting people with the hope of the Gospel. Lord, that we would minister to people in their suffering and tell them of a Savior who suffered for them that they might not suffer in eternity. Lord, we thank You for the believers in our lives who suffer well for Your namesake. We ask Your blessing on them. We ask Your relief of them. And Lord, we ask that we would be able to follow them. And more than anything, help us to follow our Savior who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider Him always so that we do not grow weary and faint-hearted. For it's in His beautiful name we pray. Amen.